His Love Christian Fellowship is excited to share this podcast with you. We hope you enjoy this message. And your love forever. Yes. Yes, we are. Lord, thank you for that awesome word. Thank you for uh, just all you're doing. Lord, we're, we're excited for this press in this place that we're at. And we just say yes to you, Jesus. A couple of things that are going to go on. Um, we are planning on taking a group uh, probably in February to a, a thing called The Send. It's a culmination of... Um, the calls and all of the things that we've been in in intercession for a long time. They already had, uh, or actually this week, have been having something on the West Coast. This is an East Coast thing. And um, God is, one one of the prayers that we even had on Friday night is release a spirit of evangelism. And you know, it's incredible because a lot of the people that we hear talking and when we were out at um, the Global Celebration and uh, New Life Conference, which was amazing, um, a lot of the ones that shared had been in the Jesus movement. And they would share about the things that had happened that had so utterly changed their life. And one was Charles and Ann Stock. And it was like, yes, I remember that. I just remember everybody all of a sudden came awake to Jesus. It was, it was incredible. I mean, in the town of Anderson, Indiana, you know, there was 70 kids baptized in the White River at 29 degrees. February. Yeah, I mean, it was just incredible. Uh, kids, people flocked everywhere. You could say the name of Jesus, and people say, yeah, I want you to pray with me. And, you know, we, we went door to door all through the town. Now, what I'm going to say is the spirit of evangelism was released like what happened with the apostles, and it was released, and there's a season for that, and I believe we're coming into a season of that. Well, right before that happens is always an intercession time. And so I, have, I, I was amazed at watching Georgian and the fire I've never seen in all the times that I've gone on trips with him, the spirit of intercession on him like it was. He was roaring across the stage, crying out for the move of God in this nation. He said, if we don't get it now, we're going to lose it. We're going to lose, we're going to lose gender identity. We're going to lose, we're losing all these kinds of things going across our nation. And and it is time. Plus, we've got to push against abortion right now that is really, really moving. And if we don't continue to pray for this, this election, this mid, uh, this one right now that's coming up in November is huge. Because if not, it'll be called a, I'm not great in politics, okay, but a lame duck thing where all of a sudden the president can't get through uh, the things that are going to go on and there could be even reversals like Jerusalem becoming the capital of Israel for us and just things like that over and over again. We have so much agenda for Christianity and for the things of God in this nation that it is time to push. So I'm going to call a church-wide fast for three weeks in the month of October. And I'll tell you the dates when we get to October. But I'm asking the Lord, Robin, you look like, ooh. (laughs) 
Uh, you know, but I'm just asking the Lord to show us how to press in. What was so awesome on Friday nights? These kids were pressing in too. It's not just, it's all ages. And you watch your little children, they'll start praying that way too. Because God has to move. Plus, He cares about every soul in this county. He cares about every soul. I mean, every single one. You know, it's what you said. He loves us all. He loves every single one. And, you know, I knew there was a, a, a murder-suicide this week, and, and it was just like, no, they didn't know you. And how many times do you have situations where people die and you go, I know they didn't know the Lord. No. And I am asking God for this county, for this whole area. Plus, I want to see the move in the nation. So that's, that's kind of some of the agenda. You know, the School of Ministry is probably going to push in some of those areas. And I'm hoping to get a, a lot of other people uh, joining with us. Ron and I are, I'm, I'm going to England uh, and Scotland. And they're going to all the revival areas of England and Scotland. Well, England and Scotland right now are on the map as far as the edge of revival. There is so much going on. Now, there's a huge rebellion going on, too, but they're in that. And so we're going to the places of revival, but also the churches. And, and so I'm going as an intercessor and as a part of Global Celebration again, October 18th to the 29th. And then Ron's going to fly into Washington, D.C., because they're holding, Lance Wall knows one of them, but they're holding a huge prayer gathering called The Shift, believing that God is going to shift our nation, and that's going to be held in Washington, D.C. Well, I'm flying in at that time, so it was like, he's just going to fly out and meet me, and we're going to be there in that prayer session with that group, and so I'm just telling you, you guys, it's part of who we are, it's our heritage, it's what we've carried, the pioneers have carried it, the, the ones that are older have uh, younger have carried it it's been carried and it's time to see a fruition of where we're at so i expect fruit i guess tony that's the i just expect it i believe something's coming now i'm not going to talk real long because uh i i really thank god that the children are able to be in our services and I also, sometimes the parents will apologize. Do not apologize. I raised all my children on the front row, and we were in and out all the time, and they were loud. They were never, ever soft. You know, they had loud voices. So, you know, honestly, I'm just thrilled that they're in the presence of God with us. And, and uh, so I try, not to, I try not to ever go beyond 12. I did get a, uh, Ron ordered it, a DVD set of... Um, Todd White was incredible, and I've, I've seen and heard him, but I've never been in, pres in his presence, and, and the, the issue is that something's happening. You can feel it, and they prophesied over him that he was going to be a key in the move of God that's happening in this generation, and I never have seen anything like it, and Heidi, he came in. This was, this was just a gripper. He's getting ready to speak, and he cries all the time now. He's so heavy laden and burdened over this nation, and the thing, he just weeps all the time. And anyway, he got up and got ready to speak, and he looked, and Heidi was one of the speakers, but she was only there for uh, uh, one, one night, and he wasn't expecting her to come in. It was morning before she was going to speak that night, and then she comes. And I mean, he just 
he humbled himself and went down at her feet and she began to pray over him and I mean there was a hush in the place it was like uh something a synergy was happening and it's happening in our nation you guys we're we're on the edge of seeing it now and there's things happening so i'm going god prepare this body get us in a spirit of intercession again get us in a place where we move in what you're saying to do plus every soul matters every soul matters in your jobs wherever you are every soul matters whatever you're called to do every soul matters and that that's anyway so I'm in school again. Ron goes, well, now, and I think Zach said it too. Well, you can be an official leader now. I'm, I'm doing uh, classes at um, the Bethel School of Ministry, um, their leadership classes. And so saying all that, I just want to say how greatly I admire all those who have had a job and did school on the side. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, and I've got to read that whole book. And I've already been sitting here for hours. And, and, you know, it's just, you know, I just want to tell you, I admire you. You guys are great people and smart. Anyway, so Jesus help me. Anyway, saying all that, um, I want to share a little bit of what I am seeing about us and always has been. We had been in this town not real, real long, and we were going to a church here. And... Um, uh, we ended up going to a vineyard not real long after that, but we went to a church here, and I was so full of Jesus that I wanted to talk to people about Jesus, and so, you know, we're in this church, and I'm just like, so I met this lady at the grocery store that was part of the church, and I knew that, and I was like, hey, and so I began to talk to her about Jesus, and I mean, you would have thought I said a dirty word. It was like, you know, it was like we don't talk about Jesus in the grocery store. You know, we don't. And, and what I realized was there was church and then there was Jesus. And I'm going to tell you there's not. Jesus is everywhere. I mean, when the kids are having their services at home and preaching, Jesus is right there. Jesus is everywhere. It's not about a building. We're a family right here, and so we need one another, but Jesus is in every one of our homes. It's not this, quote, church. It's the homes of God. Anyway, so saying all that, it's called a presence-based culture. This is, they've coined this while we lived it. It's a presence-based culture. You know, we've said at prayer meetings, if two or three are here and you feel Jesus' presence coming, it's okay. He's here. It's all right. I mean, it is not ever about number. It's not about any of that. It's about him. So our lives are present-based. When he stops being around you, then you've gone a little too far some way because he really never leaves. But when you stop feeling that presence, you need to get back to Jesus. You are my, my everything. We're called to carry the presence wherever we go. We lift his countenance up. Jesus came to reveal the Father. He came to reveal the Father. Carry the presence in our own countenance. He came to reveal the Father. And I love this. Um, this was one of my studies. And he's, they were talking about the difference in the Old and New Testament. 
And for a long time, I did not really know the difference. I didn't really understand how they blended together. So you would be quoting Old Testament scriptures and laws, and I'm not saying those laws aren't, aren't from God. I'm not saying that. But they're not the same. In the Old Testament, it was a covenant that was with blood and good works and doing what God says, period. And so, therefore, when God called the people, Abraham, of faith out, he said, when you go in, when this nation would get so evil, he'd say, you go in and destroy them all. Now, that makes a picture of God that looks kind of like, oh. So you go in and you destroy that whole city. You go destroy all of that. Well, as kids, you grow up, and I mean, I grew up hearing those stories, and I did not understand the difference. And I never knew this. Job, I used to say when we went through things, problems, Ron and I, well, we just kind of deal with Job issues. And, and yeah, we all go through trials. Everybody been here in a trial? We all go through trials. We're not Job's. Job was the question. Job said, I know my Redeemer liveth, and he'll someday be on the earth. Job was the question. Jesus was the answer. Jesus is the answer to all of it, and he came to reveal the Father. So every question you have goes back to the New Testament and the four Gospels, and what did Jesus do, and what did he care about? He healed them all. Oh, my goodness. He provided. He raised up the dead. He gave life everywhere he went, and he changed our hearts so that they're clean. That's what Jesus did. So no longer are we under the laws of the Old Testament. No longer is the Old Testament. Now, it points us to Jesus. It points us to our need. And the other thing the New Te- Old Testament does is tells you, I don't care how hard you try, you cannot be righteous. I don't care how much work you do. It's just not going to happen. And that's that old stinking thinking, but that's that religion we've carried in from the Old Testament. The issue is it's not our work, it's his. The issue is it's not our work, it's his. He did it. I'm taking it. I'm clean. Well, you did this, this, and this. I know, and I just said, I'm sorry. And I walked right on away from it. Good night. You know, we've had this with being parents. You know, it's like, well, there's no perfect parents. Do you know what? There's not. There's no perfect anybody, okay? But there's a perfect Jesus, and I can give everything I am as a parent, as a pastor, as a, to him, and he makes it all good. He makes it all good because it's him, not me. That's the difference in the old and the new. The old says, well, you still got to bear it all. You still got to be. But all the answers are in Christ. I think that is, I don't know about you, but that's just like, whoa, that's just too fun. I loved that. This is, this is from Bill, but he says, the church has become bottom feeders, like fish eating garbage and wondering why we don't change the environment we're in. We're called to change the environment. You know what bottom feeders are? Looking at every down thing, every dark thing, everything that's negative constantly. And it's how you think. It's the negativity. The church has become bottom feeders because they don't realize they're seated in heavenly places and we don't have to scrunge along the bottom anymore. 
And God is going, get your heads up, you guys. That's us, all of us. We have been called to change the culture. We've been called to take the seven mountains. We've talked about that. Listen to this. Your countenance will always reflect the world you're most aware of. Your countenance, the look on your face, will always reflect the world you're most aware of. If you're aware of your work and what you need to do and and you're strained and stressed and there's fear, that's the world you're aware of and you're not looking up. But there is glory. I'm telling you, I've been, because I've had war in the night, and I know you all have, okay. But I've gotten up in the night, I'm like, you're so good. I just bless you. In fact, last night I was blessing him over all you people. You are also blessed. I just bless the Lord. I bless him. He's so good. He's so good constantly. And I said, Lord, any lid that's on us that's kept us in negativity, I ask you to pull it off of us. I ask you to pull that off, that our minds aren't negative anymore, that something in our spirits would come alive. I'm telling you, I want to see him. I want to live like him. I want to walk like him. That's where we're at. We're a presence-driven culture, not a duty-driven culture. And that's good news because I've been a mixture at times over the years. I grew up being taught that. You can't be in the church of the United States and not be taught the law and not live under the law and to find out we didn't have to. And to find out we didn't have to condemn one another or look at one another or condemn ourselves. And I think condemnation usually starts with yourself. We are aware of God's presence. When God overshadows us with his presence like Peter, our shadow heals others. And I'm saying it's time. It's time. Ain't no shadow here, but there's coming one. There's time. And this is the truth. The Lord's Prayer is a military mandate. It's a military mandate. Violent, take it by force. Now I'm going to tell you what the violence is. Jesus, you're good. Jesus, I believe you. Jesus, your word is true. Jesus, I trust you. Trust is a big one. It's a sword. Trust you. I trust you. I trust you. It's violent. And I'm taking what God said is mine by force. To bring God's presence here on earth, it takes warriors. That's why I love that you saw uh, eight little warriors there with you. We're warriors, you guys. Whether you want to be or not, you get saved and you got an enemy that's going to come against you. But you're going to take it by force. Nah. God's kingdom is with me, and he loves me, and he wants to provide my daily bread. And I love this part. And he says, forgive their faults, even as your faults are forgiven. Do you know what faults are? Irritations, even. Oh, I I really don't like that person. They kind of rub me the wrong way. God is going, I want you to walk in such a forgiveness that there ain't no person going to bother you anymore because you're going to see them like I see them. And I'm going, God, I want that. And you're not going to be irritated with yourself. Anybody here have bad habits, things they just don't like, that they do? Yeah, I do too. And I used to beat myself up over them. And now I've been speaking the opposite. You know, whatever the thing is, I've been saying the opposite. You are so good at that. 
you are so good at that. Okay. <laughs> I don't totally believe it yet, but I'm getting there. <laughs> father is revealed as he is, and it's a father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Royalty becomes defined in pursuing the presence. Royalty, who you are and me, is defined in pursuing the presence. We are sons and daughters of God. God. It's time for the manifestation of the sons and daughters. We are the royalty of God. The royalty of God does not sit under a chair depressed. They may have to war to get up on the chair. They may have to say, no, that's not who I am. This is who I am. He has placed us on a planet filled with problems. He said, in the world, you're going to have trouble. We've been placed on a planet, everybody here. And honestly, we've been in a a blessed area because we don't have near the problems if you were in some of the foreign nations. We didn't. We don't. But we have been placed on a planet with problems, filled with problems. But Christ is within us. His presence, authority, and dominion are the solution. We were called from the garden to take dominion. And you can't do it, and I can't do it if we don't do it as royalty. We can't do it if we don't know we're royalty. We can't. You can't be begging Jesus. Jesus is going, no, you're in my hands and you're my feet. You don't have to beg me. I said yes to you. Yes. We're the solution to the world. But we got to know we have dominion. In Christ, our hope and confidence are in the power of the gospel and the power of his resurrection. I'm not, I'm going to try not to be, let me see how I'm doing here. This is, I just love this. This is in the Passion Translation, and this is um, the Lord's Prayer. Manifest your kingdom realm. That's what, that's what we pray all the time. Manifest your kingdom realm and cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on the earth. Your every purpose. Do you know that's what you were created for is to fulfill the purposes of God? Your every purpose. And you know what? He gave you joy in doing it. You'll find joy in sharing Jesus. You'll find joy in doing it. Cause your every purpose to be filled on, fulfilled on earth just as it in, is in heaven. Manifest your will. And forgive the faults of others so that Father in heaven will forgive you. Forgive the faults of others. I love that. I do. So you can't notice the toothpaste caps off anymore. That's it. Husbands and wives. You can't notice how the toilet paper roll is going or whether the seat is up or down. There you go. No more faults. <laughs> Does it? We have a toothpaste cap person over here. Okay, God. I want to I wanna read something to you so that you can understand who you are. Jesus said, go in my authority and make disciples. That means make people that look like me. Jesus, people of all nations. And he also said, wait until you're endued with power. 
That's why the church needs the power of the Holy Spirit. Doesn't need to be embarrassed of the Holy Spirit. Doesn't need to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. They need to say more, more, more. The church does. Because Jesus said, wait until you are. Because you're not going to have the power you need. Anybody feel like your steam ran out? Come Holy Spirit. Breathe a new breath on us. But this was a, I, I was reading this story. Remember, the, all the answers are in Jesus. And this happened to Jesus. After Jesus finished, this is Luke 7, 1 through 10. After Jesus finished giving revelation to the people on the hillside, he went into the village of Capernaum. There he found a Roman military captain who had a beloved servant he valued highly. And the servant was sick to the point of death. When the captain heard that Jesus was in the city, he sent some respected Jewish elders to plead with him to come and heal his dying servant, asking for a miracle. So they came to Jesus and told him, this Roman captain is a wonderful man. If anyone deserves to have a visit from you, it's him. Won't you please come to his home and heal his servant who is lying in his home, paralyzed and suffering terribly? For he loves the Jewish people, and he even built our meeting hall for us. He was a Ruth. He was a Ruth. He was, he was um, Rahab. He was, he was the ones who, he was a Cornelius, but he was a man who understood God was real, and he loved the Jewish people. Okay. So Jesus said, I will go with you and heal him. So the man merits it. Jesus is going to go do it, and that's amazing. But I want you to hear the great faith and the understanding of who this man was. Jesus started off with them, but on his way there, he was stopped by the friends of the captain who gave this message. Lord, who am I? Who am I to have you come into my house? He understood he wasn't Jewish, for one. He understood that it would have been breaking a law for him to go into a non-Jewish house. That was an honor to Jesus. But at the same time, I'm going I'm to talk to you about identity here. Master, don't bother to come to me in person, for I'm not good enough for you to enter my home. I'm not worthy enough to even come out to meet one like you. Now, I want to tell you something. He understood who he was. And his, Bill has, it, has a, a state, statement about, you can never know your significance until you know your insignificance. You can never know what God has done for you until you know what you're not worthy of. None of us were worthy for Jesus to die on the cross for us. None of us were worthy to have him come into our home. He created the universe. He's God. But he loved the unworthy and made us worthy. This man is a non-Jew. Jesus hasn't died on the cross yet, and he realizes, I am unworthy for you to even come. I know that God sent you to the Jewish people. But if you would just release the manifestation of healing right where you are, I know that my servant will be instantly healed. I believe you, and I know who I am. I'm unworthy. 
I believe you, and you are so worthy that you heal the unworthy. Okay? So he's, he's understanding his insignificance so he can know his significance. Then he goes on, and he says, unlike you, and I think he understood he was a son of God, I'm just an ordinary man. Yet I understand the power of authority. What I want to say to you is, if you don't know humility, you'll never understand the power of God. If you don't understand that humility is the key to authority, first of all, the man humbled himself, and he recognized his insignificance. It's not a shame. to I mean, God has made us worthy. We are worthy now because he made us that way. But it's never a shame to say, I'm no different than you. When you look at someone that doesn't know the Lord, you don't ever look at them as you're better. You're the same. And you were as unworthy as anyone else, but he made us worthy because he loves us. And this man said, I'm just an ordinary man, yet I understand the power of authority. And I see that authority operating through you. For I, too, am a man who walks under authority and have authority over soldiers who serve under me. I have soldiers under me who obey my every command. I can tell one to go and he'll go and another to come and he'll come. I order my servants and they'll do whatever I ask. I also have authorities over me. I understand my position. This is a man who knew his identity. We've been talking tons about what is our identity. We're sons and daughters of God. We need to know that. But we also need to know we're totally insignificant unless he makes us significant. It's not about all the gifts he gave you that makes you significant. You're significant because of him. That's it. We're, our significance is because of Christ. That's it. And it's nothing for us to be humble, to understand authority. When we were in the 60s and the Jesus movement came, there was so much rebellion I mean, our class went out and marched on our, left our classroom, marched out because of the Vietnam War. Can you imagine a high school class leaving and marching? My dad came and got me. I got in trouble. But I was with him. Come on, buddy. Rebellion was so deep. And it's never been changed until this hour when I believe God wants the identity so established that we understand who we're under and who we're over. You have authority over your children, parents, and, do, and take it, okay? You know, compassion heals your children. If they fall and hurt themselves, sympathy makes them weak. We do not need weak children that don't know how to get up and do and be. I'm just telling you, compassion heals. And the Lord's told me not to have unsanctified compassion. It heals. Oh, you got a boo-boo. I'm so sorry. But you don't let them cry all day long over their boo-boo. Jesus, you healed them. Okay, it's fine. And sometimes when they fall, you don't look. Because sympathy can make them weak. You want them strong. You don't want them feeling sorry for themselves. That's what God is doing in this hour. He wants strong children. Two. Anyway, let me go on. The Roman captain knew who he was and who he wasn't. 
I'm just an ordinary man, not like you, Jesus. I'm not Jewish, and therefore it's forbidden and unclean for me to enter, for you to enter my house. Therefore, I'm unworthy of you. Yet I understand authority and the power of it, and I see that authority operating through you. I, too, am a man who walks under authority. I have authority over soldiers who serve under me. I have soldiers under me who obey my command. I have authorities over me whom I likewise obey. So, Master, just speak the word, and healing will flow. Faith in your identity with humility and authority. Now, I'm going to tell you, Jesus was giving us a key for great faith. That you know who you are. That you don't mind insignificance. You can handle humility. And great authority will be given to you. And that authority will move mountains. That's what he was saying. Jesus said this man's faith, his eyes to see, was the greatest he had seen in Israel. Do you know this is over all the disciples? This is over everyone, even the one Simeon and Anna and all the ones that were waiting for Jesus to come. And yet this man understood authority. He understood not to walk in rebellion. He knew how to honor and live in humility. You guys, I want us to move in that. I don't want us to dishonor our presidents or any of our congressmen or any of it. Even when it's wrong, pray for them. But don't live in dishonor. Don't find that. You know, we've talked about that, but you don't have that in your mouth. Don't find yourself criticizing and dishonoring those around you. You're undermining your faith and your identity. If you've got a hard boss, honor him and see what happens. See what God will do. It's the very last thing. Jesus marveled at this, and he turned around and said to the crowd who had followed him, Listen, everyone, never have I found even one among the people of God like a, a man like this one who believes so strongly in me. Why? He knew his identity. He knew his position. And he wasn't even born again yet. It's a principle that God wants us comfortable in. It's not that anxious, who am I? What am I doing? Where am I going to go? What am I supposed to do? You know, the Lord told me, he said, I'm not a smorgasbord. That you sit around and pick and pick and pick. Oh, I want to do this. I want to be that. Because the world is. He said, I created you for a purpose. Seek me and I'll show you. And it will be fulfilled. And I'm going to tell you, you have to be humble to do that. You do. Because it may not be great and he may not use the gifts you thought you had. It's true. You know, Heidi could have been one of the greatest ballerinas ever. He didn't use that gift. He did not choose. He made her a preacher. Isn't that crazy? But she was humble before him and broken. Listen, everyone, never have I found even one among the people of God a man like this who believes so strongly in me. He has greater faith than anyone I've ever encountered in Israel. I just, that is incredible. Can you imagine? You know he's in heaven. That, can you imagine? Listen to what I am about to tell you. 
multitudes of non-Jewish people will stream from the east and the west to enter into the banqueting feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the heavenly kingdom. But many Israelites, born to be heirs of the kingdom, trying so hard under the religious rule, all of the mindsets that somehow we've got to achieve it, will be turned away and banished into the darkness where there will be bitter weeping and unbearable anguish. Do you know that this man let Jesus do it? He didn't tell him how you got to come to my house, lay your hands on. He let him do it. You just speak the word, Master. It'll be done. Jesus then spoke the healing word from a distance. And when the man's friends returned home, they found the servant completely healed and doing fine. Significance. I am significant. We're all significant. Everyone. Everyone is significant, important. God loves us. The truth is often held between the tension of two ideas. Isn't that incredible? That's one of Bill's statements. The truth is often held in the tension of two ideas, conflicting ideas. You don't discover your significance until you discover your insignificance. You don't know your identity until you recognize your insignificance. Anyone who struts to God will lose their strut fast. Because I want God to do the work in our lives. I don't want to do the work. He's the one that can bring revival. I can tell you we could have the best programs in the world here. We could do all kinds of things, and it still would not reach the hearts and lives of men and women around us if God doesn't do something. Every person was made in the image of God. I owe everyone honor and respect because they were made in God's image. We've been a mocking nation. We owe honor, a measure of respect, Plus, every person has been gifted by God. Every person has gifts. So don't say you don't. Every person alive, God has blessed all. Pre-family and family, God is good to all. To serve and love people well, we have to see the value of every individual. And we were called to take dominion. And we'll take dominion through love. Faith works by love. We'll take this dominion by love. Man, I did good. Okay, let's stand. <laughs> Two minutes. Okay, come on. <laughs> Father, I ask you for the spirit of revelation to fall on your people, all of us. Help us to see what you see. Help us to see all people as you see them. And help us, God, not to run from our own insignificance, but to embrace it and then embrace the one who makes us significant. Ah, Jesus, we don't have to be bottom feeders who sit around thinking about our whatever. And we don't have to be pride Seekers that talk about all our gifts. Lord, we can find all that we are. And you can use it all in your significance. So we invite you, Holy Spirit. <laughs> Come breathe again. 
Show us more. We want to see more. We're hungry, 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 and we want to see more. Lord, we're not stopping. Open us wide. Give us a spirit of prayer. Give us a spirit of evangelism. Come, Holy Spirit, flood our land. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. 